Well, I want to put on the screen here this morning a picture of my grandfather on my mom's side. He passed away just a few years ago, but he was a, a hilarious, funny, just a, just a great guy. And for a school project, one of my boys was doing some family history research, and as they were trying to figure out my grandpa's history, they found that there were no records at all. Nothing could be found about his parents, and my mom never knew his parents or her grandparents. And after talking with some family, it was found that the reason why they couldn't find anything was because his dad was connected uh, with the mafia, and when he escaped the mob, he changed his last name. And my grandpa was really young at that time, and so the only last name that he knew was the name that it was changed to, which is Searles. And therefore, there's no history that can be found because we have no idea what his real last name was. And needless to say, he grew up in a really tough environment with a lot of brokenness and certainly no personal relationship with Christ. And my mom came to faith when she was a teenager and was all in right away. And my dad ended up coming to faith after they started dating when my mom told him that she was not going to marry him unless he was a follower of Jesus. And so he got pretty serious about searching after God, right? And not long after, he actually came to faith, and it was was authentic. I mean, he really went after, and it was authentic, and they got married shortly after that. Well, my grandpa was not a follower of Jesus his entire life, and my mom would daily pray for him. And I remember when I was younger, her constantly praying, her constantly talking about him, and she would daily pray for him for his entire life. And periodically, she would go and she would share the gospel with him. He lived in Florida. Um, So she would go and share the gospel, and he wouldn't respond. And she would go again, and she would share the gospel, and he wouldn't respond. And she was certainly persistent. Like for those that were here last week, we talked about the lost coin. She was certainly persistent, like the woman who was trying to find that lost coin. And when my grandpa was in his 80s, he got sick. And my mom knew that he wasn't going to live much longer. And so she prayed and she bought a ticket to Florida where he lived, in order to share the gospel just one more time. And after hearing the gospel this last time, he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. The last time on his deathbed, accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And here's the thing. I firmly believe that I will see my grandfather again because my mom didn't write him off, but remained persistent in sharing the gospel with him. And let me be honest and vulnerable with you and tell you that there are certain people in my life that I have written off. There are people I've shared the gospel with repeatedly that have not been interested, and I've concluded they'll never turn their lives to Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that God never writes anyone off, and neither should we. Is there anyone in your life right now that you think to yourself, that person will never surrender in faith and become a follower of Jesus? Is there anyone in your life that you've written off? Today, we're in part three of a series that we're calling Leave No One Behind. And the theme of this series is the following. 
Jesus is always willing to go to great lengths to pursue the last, least, and lost with the gospel. And he calls us to follow his example in the same way. He leaves no one behind and neither should we. And we've read many passages during this series that describe the way religious leaders of Jesus' day tried to leave people behind, and yet never, Jesus never did. We saw how the religious leaders wanted to leave children behind, but Jesus always included them. How the religious leaders wanted to leave those with physical disabilities behind, but Jesus always included them. How the religious leaders wanted to leave those that had a lot of sin in their lives, had a lot of brokenness in their lives, had a lot of dysfunction in their lives, but Jesus included them. The religious leaders of the day had a tendency to push people down and push people out. And often the church can do the same. Jesus, however, did the exact opposite. He welcomed people in and raised them up. And for those of you that haven't been here in the past few weeks, we've made a statement, and we've shared this every week up here. We've made a statement about who we are at Grace Gathering and who we want to be here at Grace Gathering. And the statement is this. We are a church that welcomes people of all backgrounds, black, white, brown, married, single, divorced, living together, gay, straight, trans, addict, recovering addict, rich, poor, young, old, religious, atheist, and everything in between. We believe everyone has brokenness and is in need of God's mercy in Christ. That's who we are. That's who we want to be here at Grace Gathering. And we've expressed that the church can have a tendency to push people down and and push people out. Jesus welcomed them again and raised them up. And so during our first message, we said that the reason we don't want to leave anyone behind is because God has not left us behind. He's never left you behind. He's never left me behind. In our brokenness, in our dysfunction, God reached down and showed us his unconditional love that wasn't dependent on what we do, that isn't dependent on what we do or what we say. It's unconditional. And during our second message, we said that we need to make intentional efforts to pursue people around us who both society and the church can tend to marginalize and push away. People like the young and the old, people with addictions, people who have same-sex attraction or desire to change genders, people with special needs, people with mental illness or other physical disabilities. And in looking at the parable with lost sheep, and the lost coin, we saw that it requires us to diligently and intentionally seek after those that can get left behind. And the foundation of our series is found in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus talks about three specific parables in a row, all with a common, th- a common theme. The first one was the parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd leaves the 99 behind to go grab the, the lost sheep and take them back to him back to the fold. Uh, the second, the lost coin, where the woman had 10 coins and lost one coin, and that, that coin was so valuable that she did everything she could to find that coin. And the third one is the lost son. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 11, talking about the parable of the lost son. So Luke 15, 11 through 32. And it says this. Jesus continued, 
There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And this is a passage that we've actually looked at just a couple of times within the past few years here at Grace. And it's helpful to understand and know the context of these three parables. And if you go back to Luke 15, 1, we shared this the first week, 1 through 3 said, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. So the context here is based on religious leaders who push people out and push people down. And We know based upon the context here that the primary point of this parable is about the attitude of the older son. And we spent time unpacking the danger of the moral person whose basis their relationship on God, not from grace, but on their clean living. And this is what the older son did. And moral people can be those who are most spiritually deceived because they don't know that they are lost and in need of mercy. And they can tend to compare themselves not to God's holy character, but to others around them. So they, they compare themselves to others around them and say, I'm better than them. I mean, at least, at least I don't have that problem. At least I don't have that going wrong. But they compare themselves to others around them instead of God's holy character. And this is what the older son does. 
And so let's dive deeper into the mind of the older son. Not only is Jesus exposing his false thinking regarding a relationship with God based on moral living, but Jesus is also exposing the attitude about his younger brother because he had written off his younger brother. Of course, it's amazing that, that the father welcomes home the younger son after a long season of rejection and, and of wild living. And the point about the father is that the father depicts God and that God's arms are always wide and God's arms are always open. But as Jesus is directing this parable to religious leaders, he's making a point that you're too much like the older son. You've written people off that I've not written off. And even though the younger son had many opportunities to repent and turn back to his father, and even though he rejected those opportunities time and time again, it's never too late. As long as someone has breath, and as long as someone has life, there's an opportunity to turn to God and receive his forgiveness and salvation. And as Brian shared earlier here, next week, we're going to be starting a new six-week sermon series called Parables, and we're going to hear from six different speakers who will be teaching on one of their favorite parables. So we're going to continue uh, to share on the parables that Jesus taught. And Brock Arlowski, um, who's back in the back here today, will be sharing the first week, a week from today. I think he knows that. Hopefully he knows that. You're good? All right, good. But this parable is a powerful reminder that no matter how far someone strays from God and no matter how long it's been and no matter how many times they've rejected the gospel, it's never too late. There will be a day when they take their last breath and then it will be too late. But until then, always have an opportunity. So there are certain people in my life that I want so badly to come to faith. And, and I've reached out to them so many times over the years, but they've just not been open. And to be honest, I, I've written them off and I shouldn't. We shouldn't. Now it's true that if someone is not open to God, you never try to force anything. In fact, Jesus teaches if, if someone's not open, you move, down, move on. We shared this last week in Luke chapter 10, um, where scripture says, if they're not open, shake the dust off your feet and move on but they're responsible for responding to the gospel and they will be held accountable. Matthew 10 talks about this as well, 10, 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. And so I've practiced this over the years. When someone's not open, I'm respectful of that. But just because someone is not open at that time, it doesn't mean that they're not open ever. And so you go back. Think of what happened when the younger son said he wanted his inheritance now and he wanted to leave his father's home. Everyone knew he was going down the wrong road. And it's very possible, likely, that his father even tried to talk to him out of it. That his father had conversations with him and tried to talk him out of leaving. Perhaps the older son had a talk with him as well. But the younger son was just not interested at the time. It was just not open to it. And so the older brother wrote him off, but the father didn't. Part of leaving no one behind is a willingness to come back at a later date and engage those who rejected earlier. 
Within the past few weeks, I've had the opportunity to do just that with a, a couple of people that I've been praying for for quite a long time now and, and have, my, have shared my faith with them before. And, and I had to be honest, um, it was tough. One of the things that I know for me is, is I've been preparing uh, for these messages. There's been a, a strong conviction in me in this um, that, that God's asking me um, to take some steps of faith and, and move from just conviction into response. And so I, I tried to do that this past week and there was an open door that I had because um, there was just some brokenness that was going on in, in their life. And, and so I did, I shared um, the gospel with them again and neither of them came to faith right at that time, but I, I'm confident that God is working in them and that God is drawing him to them. And, and I know, and, and this is a promise in the scripture, I know that what God is looking for from us is faithfulness. What God is looking for is obedience, um, not fruit. Um, he's, that's his job. He'll take care of that. What God is looking for in us is steps of faith, um, faithfulness towards him and obedience toward, towards him. And so I want to just allow us as, as we move in this series from just conviction into uh, response, I want to give you a few moments to think about people in, in your mind that maybe you've reached out to in the past, or maybe you haven't even reached out to them. But if you had to be honest, you almost could not imagine that person becoming a follower of Jesus. Just begin to bring those people to your mind. Would you be willing to reach out, engage, and test the spiritual waters? And one of the best ways to reach out is to connect with their brokenness and, and your brokenness and, and even communicate your brokenness to them and connect through that or, or to share how God has changed your life and see if they can engage with that. And if they do continue and if they seem closed, don't push it. But who comes to mind for you? Who comes to mind in your life? And I want us to just spend a few moments here just to think who are those people in your life that maybe you've shared the gospel before with them, or maybe you haven't, um, but maybe you have, and, and maybe you've just written them off. Maybe there's certain people in your life that you have just written off and, and moved on. Maybe God's calling you to move back and to re-engage with them. Who are those people in your life? Who comes to mind? Spend a few moments, and then I'm going to share, have you share that name with someone next to you. But just who is it that comes to your mind? Just spend a few moments and think through that. I want us to just be thinking, as, as you've shared those names with the person next to you, I want you just be thinking, what does it look like for you? What are next steps for you to step out in faith? Maybe even this week, what are opportunities that you may have to be able to, to step out in faith and reach out to those um, that God may be calling you to engage with? Um, and so as we worship, let's be, let's be thinking that. I'm going to have Brian come up and he's going to move us into our time of response and then we'll move into worship.